Hi, I'm Neil from the RuneQuest Project and welcome to Tales from the Black Alynx, a podcast series where we talk to the authors of Johnstown Compendium publications. For our second episode, we're talking to the author of one of the more recent editions, having only been live for less than a week. Rubble Redux, Insula of the Waning Moon, is the first in a series of resource books for RuneQuest GMs detailing an insula or city block that makes up the ruins of the big rubble in Prax. So, hello, who are you and where are you? Hello, um, my name's Drew Baker and I'm currently in Melbourne. Locked down in Melbourne, no doubt. Yes, but hopefully not for too long. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining me, Drew, on this second episode. So maybe you can tell me a bit about your history with role-playing games and how you first encountered RuneQuest or HeroQuest or whichever Chaosium products you first interacted with. Well, I'm guessing it's going to be the the same story for for lots of people. Um, Like your last podcast interview, my first encounter with with role-playing was actually RuneQuest, not D&D. And it was an after-school activity session, which I actually got into through drama. And it was recommended that, you know, this might be an interesting way to explore um, drama. And for full disclosure... That was probably with me as well. It it was. It was, Neil. It was um, something in the order of, um, well, 35 years ago, shall we say. I can still smell Mr. Carver's pipe smoke as I sit here today. It's true. Evocative memories. That and the smell of the Dungeon Master's Guide. We will never forget those halcyon days. The halcyon days of where um, children are locked in a room after school with a a history teacher puffing furiously on a tobacco pipe. Ah, yes, the 80s. So did you have a dalliance with D&D at all, or did you just stay straight with RuneQuest? Um, Yeah, so the the club was mostly D&D focused, but there were other things like RuneQuest going on, and that's how I actually got in. But Traveller... Car Wars was was great fun, mm-hmm. and um, then in what eighty four, um, Call of Cthulhu came out, and that really appealed to me. So I I took that and, and ran with that as really my my mainstay um, game at the club. But then um, out of school with with friends, it was pretty much RuneQuest all the way. And what was it that appealed to you about um, Call of Cthulhu? Was it the system or the themes? The basic roleplay system is is genius. Um, it's one of the, the best systems out there to allow people to, to roleplay without having to be focused so much on rules, which is what I hated about um, AD&D. And that's what it should be about. It should be about the the... The, the fun of, of role playing, the fun of exploring themes. Mm. And for Cthulhu, that appealed to my um, more macabre sense of, of humour and um, sense of nihilism, I guess. And your affinity with the deep ones, no doubt. Oh, well, coming from a seaside town, you will appreciate uh, <laughs> how, um, yes, we all have six fingers and webbed feet. I think that's just Essex. It's um, true. So, in your in your time playing RuneQuest, then what was your what would you say was your your favourite publication? I have to say, it's two, um, because they are co joined, and that is the Big Rubble and Pra and Big Rubble and um, Pavis. And what what kind of really piqued your interest with those? 
so I always wanted to be an archaeologist, which is something which um, I fulfilled later on in life. And to be able to walk around a ruined city in my imagination um, was something that was just fascinating. It, it didn't matter whether you know, we were um, trying to rescue people or find treasure or whatever. It was just the setting. And as a living, breathing place with a city, which you could always run back to, attached to it, the the political intrigue both in Pavis and in in the big rubble was was just so alluring, so rich, and and so vivid, um, and that that's really what what kind of hooked me. And then obviously in later life, you know, I was privileged enough to be able to actually wander around ruined cities. So. It's kind of come full circle almost. So, so in that premise, then would you say that your favourite region would be would be still Pavis and Prax, or have you explored Glorantha on a wider scale? I would say that Pavis and uh, or Pavis County, yes, that that is my favourite area. It is the microcosm of um, Dragon Pass, but of course, Dragon Pass, Balazar, I spent a lot of time up there. Mm. Um, yep even a foray into Dorostor as well, if I recall correctly. But no, um, the Pavis County um, is still my favourite. Not like Sun County, which is just full of Umarlians and just terrible place. (laughs) Um, And the the primary game version that you played then, did you go through the whole gamut or did you um, stick with one? So RuneQuest 2, or or Classic as we now call it, um, was the mainstay. When RuneQuest 3 came out, it was um, I started having problems with with the RuneQuest system at that point. I think the, the there was just too much that didn't ring true. It was like Chaosum was almost trying to, or Avalon Hill was trying to um, catch up with something like Warhammer. That the moving out of Greg Stafford's Glorantha, which is as I say, is so rich, so detailed, mm. but still has space for you to grow and and map your imagination to this thing that everybody else was doing. Um, And I kind of lost faith in RuneQuest at at that point um, and really moved my allegiance over to uh, Cthulhu. That sounds terrible. (laughs) All hell Cthulhu. (laughs) Yes, I I gave up the the Praxian gods and went to the dark side. I offered myself up to the deep ones. And did you kind of come back to RuneQuest 6 at all, or did you um, get dragged back in with the advent of RQG? Uh, no, it's, it's RQG, and I have to say I'm quite a, a latecomer to that, and it was only really at the RuneQuest Inglorantha Down Undercon last year when I picked up the um, RuneQuest Reigns again. Mm. And how do you think it compares to RuneQuest Classic? Nostalgia aside, obviously. I think it makes a lot more sense. Um, there are some things which I don't necessarily like. One of the things which I always liked about RuneQuest Classic was you see you started off relatively um, not not feeble but um, disempowered, and you had to work mm. to to you know find a cult to uh, work through initiation work um up to the the, the rune statuses to, to get that rune magic that was kind of the, the, the goal mm. um i think that maybe some of that that um 
that drive and that ambition is is not lost but um certainly watered down in the in the the new new version but that said there's a lot more stuff that that does offset that it's it is quite polarizing we found in our games it is definitely fun to start throwing room magic around from the off sure. and you you don't tend to have that grind you know when we played i know that we with our Havis and um rubble campaign back in the 80s we were able to spend a, an entire summer stuck in our back bedroom playing that non-stop it'd be interesting to know whether people would have the time for that now it's quite a sad set of affairs but i think probably the the dynamic and also the audience has changed i mean if we think about role play games in general when they came out in say the 70s uh, and into the 80s they were really targeting at the teen 20s market but now we've all grown mm. up so we don't have as much time as as we used to as kids plus also we have kids coming in say kids we have younger yes. people coming in who are also taking up the hobby who also have more draws on their time than than we did you know we had endless time yeah, it definitely seems to be a, a young adults demographic now, from what I can see, and less so of the real teens. Like I know that you know, there's not a role playing club in my oldest senior school, for example. But it does seem to be very popular with that sort of early twenties age group. There seems to be a big chasm between the early twenties and then the old, yes, yes, old, old players like us who are having a bit of a resurgence. We prefer the word mature. Stemming on from that then, I mean, that's that's your history as a player. So what made you take the leap into writing for the Johnstown Compendium? Well, it was, it was, it was really at um, Grantha Down Under. And to, to, with, the, with the announcement of the Johnstown Compendium um, coming online, and the, the speakers, and especially uh, Jason Durrell, who, who basically said, look, this, this is your Grantha, contribute to it and it was really refreshing to to have that being told to you because there's always this, you know mm-hmm. the, the fear of cocking up you know and doing something which um you know somebody will come and say oh you know that's not how it works or that's not right because this says this the the idea that your grantor could could vary can vary and should vary um mm. was was really empowering to be able to say, look, just just do the stuff, you know. Um, people will work around it, and it's always been kind of as anybody who's who's played um, any system, I'm sure, um, in the back of the mind is, yeah, you know, I'd really like to write something. I'd really like to you know, get a published scenario um, to kind of say this: the I was here. Um, this is my take on the world. But that 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 fear has always sort of stopped me from from doing that um so the yeah just the liberation of chaosium being brave enough to say hey you guys you're the players do something yeah i mean and from the quality of the work that's come out so far it's been it's been really great really well received yeah um so tell us about um insular of the waning moon then what what's it about so one of the bugbears that, that I have as a, um, a an academic coming from a cultural heritage um, and archaeology background is I look at maps and and I try and work out how they work 
and for a lot of um and this isn't by any means anything to do with, with RuneQuest in general fantasy role-play games which have a historic basis plans don't work you know, doors are too small um stairs don't work right you end up falling off places um and the, the whole kind of dungeon mentality excludes the fact that the building or, or the, the set of buildings or even you know the cellars whatever don't don't exist in isolation they exist in a, in a wider context and an ecosystem are you telling me that architects especially dungeon architects don't use squared paper to, when they plan out buildings well they should do <laughs> there's very good reasons to use a, a, a modular system um but it's the it's the you know the the thinking through of architecture is in, is important if you're trying to um help people suspend their disbelief during the role playing session and I, mm. I believe that believe that passionately and it's something which which i learned very hard through um through both tabletop role playing and through live action role playing the more that you can help the player um slip into the skin of their character the more the imagination fires and the, and the 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 higher the the experience is and so the idea with insular of the waning moon was to um leverage the 20 odd years of archaeological experience which i have into the big rubble to describe an, an insular as you, as you said in, in the intro which is a, a, a building block um, where all the buildings work together and make sense rather than just having um, a above ground dungeon which is mm. disconnected from everything else it's almost like a, a second earth or after a ridiculous event where you're filling in the gaps of a once functioning city basically yes um i try and put myself in the in the sandals of a lankomai scholar walking through the big rubble and going what the hell is this i assume that's the that's the reason for the beard that's all part of the costume um <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll go with that so within the obviously I, I assisted with getting it to the jc um in terms of layout and whatnot you didn't think very um, much for that and obviously i tend to agree that the more real the setting really really adds to the scenarios so there are a series of small or mini scenarios tied to each of the buildings of the insula the fact that you can see it that it's in a used building or a, a building with obvious uses really really adds to the flavor of it rather than just you know here's a square box with the house oh there's a basement it really definitely adds a bit of life to it thank you i mean yeah that's one of the the things which I wanted to bring out. I, mean, I could have just produced a, a whole set of maps, which would have been, quite frankly, very dull. The the idea of the Insta uh, series is is not to be prescriptive. It's not to say this is how it is. It's to say this is a, a framework in which you can set your your games. You can um, use them as a, a goal orientated mission, or you can use them as part of the sandbox, or you can use them as drop ins for for random encounters. So the, the mini adventures, or the sorry, the mini scenarios are, are really there. Uh, hopefully, they're they're fully fleshed enough to be to be run out on their own. Um, but they're to really help the game master see how and um, what the possibilities are for for role playing within the big rubble. 
funnily enough, so in in my publication, which is called Legion, and um, we're adding a new scenario in there, and as a bit of a thank you to some of the people that have bought it, and the idea was that it was a kind of capture the flag episode, and I ask you to help with the layout of the building that you're defending and the stuff that you produced was amazing and it's incredible how much just having that physical representation of a real place suddenly your imagination goes crazy you're kind of working out rather than just all right these brew are going to attack and you've got to defend you know it's a bit like the old apple lane scenario where you've you've got a floor plan and it's something that you can work together collaboratively to actually protect and when something's designed as an actual building that really really adds to it i think absolutely absolutely you know it it if things make sense and 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 there's a logic to it then the then the ideas really start to flow you know mm. you you start to design and with 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 writing in mind but while you're doing the the, the research um while you're physically um putting the building together and sometimes that that can include being in three dimensions that the stories really start to 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 come out uh, and mm. you go that would be a great place for dot 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 and you scroll it away in your common book and you know you, you come back to it and and sometimes those mature out into um into fully fledged scenarios um mm. yeah absolutely i mean Thir- thirsty work for instance was was one of those um which which is in the in the publication which which came out of exactly that you know wow there's a there's this well and what would happen if and you'll need to uh buy the buy the publication to find out what the dot 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 is and so just on that writing then and talking about the scenarios did you i mean none of us are professional writers do you have a process for writing how did you find that that component of the publication the the writing was actually easy the working with the plans and, and knowing where the plans ca- come from and, and knowing some of the, the context for the for the real archaeology starts to um, kick off the the writing process but then when you're planning it for Glorantha and planning it for the rubble and again with it within that very rich um, world staff have created everything starts to almost flow naturally um, it's like you're you're, mm. you're you're getting you're you're being given the stories. Yeah, it's such a fully fleshed out world. You're not writing in a vacuum. You're writing in something very very vibrant. Exactly, exactly. I mean, there is a lot of support there um, in in the in the literature. So the the actual writing was you know fairly fairly easy process. You know, you you go to bed at night, and you, you settle down, and you go. So tell me the story of. And you just go through that and drift off to sleep, and you know, get up in the morning, and you go, "All oh, right, yeah, that's how we resolve that problem," or you know, we could use this for that. I think, yeah, you're right. It's it's relatively easy to fit into that pattern. So obviously, writing then, as you said, was the easy part. Uh, what elements of the publication did you struggle with, and how did you overcome them? Assuming that you did. No, everything went fine. There was no problems whatsoever. Um, <laughs> so. Um, the, the the two big stumbling blocks um, were layout, which I had to um, call on a, a very good friend um, uh, hmm. to to uh, assist me in because you know I'll just write pages of A4 
Um, yeah. And so the the layout assistance which you provided was um, fantastic and, and just makes everything look like a hundred percent better. Well, it is. It's a skill like anything else, I think, and it is a product that you're selling. I do think it's important. I mean, luckily, Rick from Chaosium has produced some really nice templates. So a really good guideline of people to produce things that do look or publications that do look professional. But again, it's, you know, John's Tank Compendium. I was talking to um, somebody the other day and really you can, there's, there's no restrictions. You can basically put whatever you want. If you want to have purple pages with white text, you know, Philly boots. Sure, but it's the, it's the difference between a hobbyist and um, a dedicated hobbyist. Um, hmm. The the small the small things matter. So the the layout, the typesetting, uh, the spacing. I think having gone through the process is important to to be able to produce a, a polished piece of work that that appeals and is legible um, mm. to to the reader. The the other difficulty was um, artwork. You know, coming from an academic background, I'm very used to producing very simple, clean, clear line artwork where necessary. You know, in, in academia, it's mostly about the words. You don't get a lot of pictures, even you know, working in 3D visualization, which is what I do. You know, it's, it's still all about the words. But pictures are very powerful. So... The, treading the, the very delicate balance between presenting the viewer with a a, a complete picture. This is the this is the insula, and kind of cutting off the player and the games master's imagination by presenting with a de facto image, or presenting them with nothing in which they can hang their ideas on, is is a very delicate and refined balance and trying to capture the spirit of the the publication of the rubble of Pavis and of Glorantha as opposed to just saying this is what you see um, mm. was, was quite challenging. It's quite a fine line isn't it because you're right that you do want to have that theatre of the mind and have players make make the vision their own but on the flip side you know there's been some amazing iconic images that I can remember from from we played in the 80s that really just burn into your mind and, and stick with you absolutely and then you take inference from that and, and extend it out into the rest of the world but it's also great to always have really nice art to add to that that pantheon so the publications i mean it's only been out not even a week yet so normally i would ask you know have you, have you are you happy with the sales that you know the sales performance and what's the response from other inquest fans been like are you in a position to sort of answer any of those questions um am i happy with the sales um well they're selling so so yes um <laughs> um am i happy with the uh, response from the RuneQuest fans well i haven't had any so um please um you know if, if you bought the publication or you, know, if you do buy the publication then please do leave feedback and that that would help me put direction into the next project well i know you're not big on social media but there have been a few people with some very kind comments on on the old facebook so um i'll i'll collate those and pass them on to you as well oh, thank you very much but um but yeah it's it is good to get reviews and um 
get that valuable feedback, I think it definitely makes it worthwhile for sure. So uh, now if you had unlimited time and budget, and of course you were locked down as you are now, what project would you do next? First of all, we would um, need to have quite an unlimited budget to make um, the RuneQuest movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, assuming that um, we could bring it back into a, a, a more um, you know, realistic scale, I really like to continue working on the rubble. I think that that it is so iconic. It is so so rich and so interesting, and especially with with um, Dragon Rise, um, the the whole idea that it's no longer this treasure trap it's now something that that you know is is part of somebody's homeland and and not just for looting i think there's a there's a lot of real legs in that so i think i'm i'm going to be uh looking to devote my energies there it's a really weird dichotomy actually you know from when we played it which was the you know lunar administrators you know the the city's very officious and the rubble is this wild area where they just chuck you in basically find whatever treasure you want and as long as you register it and get appropriately taxed when you come out you know that's that's all good in comparison with what i've seen some of the other actual plays and you know heard dribs and drebs around the place of how argrath runs the rubble now and it's more of a reclaim the rubble you know everybody gets their own little piece and everybody tidies up (laughs) and cleans their own little patch yeah has sort of weirdly taken the wildness out of it um Um, shed a real different light on it yeah i mean the the whole um lunar control thing was was always fascinating because you you went into the rubble if you could get out without paying your lunar fines i'm sorry your lunar taxes um Mm -hmm. then then you kind of stuck one to the man it was yeah we got out um (laughs) but at the end of the day you were really just doing um the empire's dirty work by keeping the yeah. monsters' population under control in 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 the rubble. Um, so, yeah, it's, you're still working for the man. Um, and with this new take, and obviously we we don't have any uh, official canon, so everyone's going to be working a little blind on it. Yeah, so r- rumors abound. Um, Although it's interesting whether the actual play twitch stream that jeff richard runs as gm whether that's classed as canon on i suppose a bit of a bit of a strange one yeah if it's not in print it's not canon Mm. Mm. interesting and what's the what's the favorite jc project that you weren't involved with that you would have liked to have been (laughs) well um i think legion is very good (laughs) (laughs) oh too too you know who's going to take on the brew? I mean, seriously, it's. Uh, I mean, both you don't take on the brew. The brew take on you, yeah. But I mean, it. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a controversial subject to be dealing with, but it's there. It's in the world, and um, so all all props to um, to you for for picking up that mantle. Well, thank you. Hopefully, we've handled it in a in an appropriate way that it's you know approachable to everybody. I, th- I think so, and it, it's. But, I mean, it's, but it is important to remember that we are, we are not the guardians of morality. We are not the guardians of uh, sensibilities, and it's the, it's the responsibility of each games master to to know their 
player group and see how far they can uh, mm. uh, can take their games to explore themes. I mean, obviously there are, there are ways which you can can write um, which will um, I'm not going to say restrict activities for for um, for younger members, but you can obscure things in in language and in writing, which means things to a more mature more mature audience. I mean, it's something which I learned through um, live role playing is you you as the person who is in control of the game, you have a responsibility to your players. So yeah. So maybe it should be rather than your grant the may vary should really be your role playing may vary between you know from group to group. Absolutely, I mean you know it's you are telling the story for the players. You're not doing it for yourself. You know so yeah. And with you know I mean role playing is it's quite it's quite an intimate experience, especially when you've got a group of people that have been playing together for a, you know a number of months or sometimes even years. It is, it is absolutely. You know you're you're living. Um, and dying with people, even if they're only imaginary people, you know, you you are celebrating with them, commiserating with them, burying them, getting them out of jail. You're doing everything that you know bosom companions do, except in a very compressed time. Um, mm. And that includes exploring parts, you know, of of your own personality, your your own your own psyche, um, and and sometimes. Than catharsis through whatever it is you're going through as an individual, as as a real person, you you can you can and sometimes do use role playing um, to work through issues that you're having. Certainly, my style of, of play has changed dramatically from from when we were like you know 13, 14, through to <laughs> to the start to the to the topics and um, and uh, style of play which which I'm I do now. Therapeutic escapism. Absolutely. Fantastic. And so, I mean, other than Google Pavis that you mentioned earlier with the, the 3D rendering of the entire rubble, um, what other works do you currently have in the pipeline that we can look forward to? Uh, well, I have a new publication in the pipeline, which is uh, another in the Insular series, which will be dealing with mm-hmm. a, a, another Insular for, for everyone to, to explore and enjoy. And um, you already alluded to um, some collaborative work that we're looking to do in the in the future, but do indeed um, very exciting. That's all top secret hush hush. So don't tell anyone you heard it here. Mum's the word, but yeah, it's very exciting. It's it's almost as enjoyable as actually playing it. Is um you know to write it. If there was only a way that we could fly on the wall, other people playing, it would be fantastic. Um, it'd be good if we to to actually see some played at a conference, just to get a bit of an idea of other people's takes on it. Especially when you're living and writing a story, you know, you do kind of get stuck in your track. Yes, it would be good to see how other people handle the particular aspects of it, and and enjoy the crushing disappointment as everyone goes off kilter, um, because no no plan survives contact with the enemy. And again, <laughs> I have learned this the hard way. You- Right, the scenario, you know how it's going to go, you know how it's going to end, and it never does. But that's part of the fun, you know, as, as a, you know, when you're running a game, being able to react and respond to, to players and not just railroad them down one path, you will do this, you will do this. That's that's where the, 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 
the kick of the games master that's where the the pure pleasure and enjoyment comes in for me at least yeah absolutely um and so our final question that we ask our guests so to which runes or deity do you commit yourself today great cthulhu oh no sorry wrong system uh <laughs> right it will be all adventurous the class i am taking air movement and mastery all adventurous all the way and is there a specific reason, or is it just the wind through your hair? Oh, Lance is great. And I do have very long hair. And a beard. And <laughs> sometimes run around parts of Melbourne skyclad. No, I don't do that. We can't. We're in <laughs> lockdown. We're on curfew. No, no, really, I don't do that. Take that pot out. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Drew. It's been a real pleasure. And um, I'm sure we'll speak again when the new editions of Insula get released to the Johnstown Compendium. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. No worries. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Black Alex. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you were able to leave a review or rating on iTunes or your podcast software of choice. Or if you really liked it, you can support us via Patreon. You can contact us with questions and interview requests via our Facebook page, facebook.com slash groups slash the RuneQuest project or email us at therunequestproject at gmail.com.